Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. I hope you had the most unbelievable Thanksgiving break. Uh, I know my wife and I, we had a great time with our family, just hanging out at home um, in our PJs all day, eating all kinds of food. A bunch of you drove to be with family. You traveled. Some of you drove to be away from family. Um, You're like, man, hopefully they're not here right now. But uh, man, you probably know this because you're pretty smart, but Thanksgiving week is one of the busiest travel weeks in America all year long. I mean, it's crazy. There's people all over the road all the time. And I always feel this is a case is when there's more drivers on the road, there's less common sense on the road. Right? Anyone with me with that? Where it's like, man, like, they forget common rules. Like, like, like you all had to pass a test to get the license to drive, right? Like, like your turn signals, you're supposed to use those, right? Or, or going the speed limit, or going, if you live down here in Florida, going over the speed limit everywhere you go. Like, like these are the rules. And, and people, they stop following the, the written rules of the road, but also the unwritten ones. Right? Like, you know, we all know the unwritten rules of the road, right? Like, like a stoplight. Green means go, red means stop, yellow means go really fast so you don't have to stop. Right? That's one we all follow with. Or, or if you're tailgating, right? Like, if I'm going over the speed limit and you're tailgating me, that is the fastest way to get me to, to do nothing. Like, I'm not going to brake check you. I'm not going to do anything dangerous. But I teach my kids, our family, we tell them that when you are impatient, you just look silly. So we'll be driving, like, kids, look at the silly person behind us. They're being really impatient. Everyone wave at them, right? Or, or historically, my wife and I, we'd be driving by somebody and be like, man, give them the bird. And my wife would do this as we fly by. Like, uh, if you're not in the room, like, she didn't put any fingers up. She flapped her arms like wings. Uh, or, or this is the, one of the most foundational unwritten rules in driving to keep a sane society, is if I give you space to merge into my lane of traffic, right? if you're driving, I give you space, you are supposed to wave, right? Like I heard yes, right? Like that's supposed to happen. If I am kind, I give you space, you are supposed to just, you can put out a hand out the window, you just put it like whatever. And that is the fastest way to go from kind to crazy is if you don't wave. Because i got a flexible schedule. I can cancel my whole day. I can follow you, figure out who hurt you, why your mom raised you this way, all the things. Like, i got time now to figure out why you can't be polite. Because we want to live in a polite society. Right? Like, you, you want your kids to be polite. More importantly, you want my kids to be polite and your kids' classmates to be polite. You want your neighbors and your coworkers. I want you to be polite. You want me to be polite. We want to live in a polite society. And the way to be polite is to respond with, with gratitude. What I say is when reacting with gratitude makes you polite, which is a good thing. Right? Like we all want this. You want this for your kids. This is why uh, parents, if you went out trick-or-treating with your kids, every single house you went to, even though it doesn't really matter, you're on the, the sidewalk yelling to your kids, say thank you. Like they're gonna get candy regardless if they say thank you or not. Like that, honestly, let's just be real talk, parents. Like that's not about the kids saying thank you. That's about the neighborhood knowing I'm raising a polite kid, right? Like, I want you to know I'm telling my kids to say thank you. It's really important to our family and really please make it important to your family because we want to live in a polite society, which is a good thing. But with gratitude, what I would say is there's an opportunity for us not to simply be polite, 
but to move beyond being polite to actually be powerful. See, while reacting with gratitude makes you polite, when you are becoming or being proactive in gratitude, it makes you powerful. When you are being proactive with your gratitude, it makes you powerful. And powerful not in the sense of you get to control other people or you get to influence the situation or change the situation, but really powerful to be able to control and be powerful against the person that is hardest for you to control and lead, and that's you. Because who talks to you more than you do? Who thinks about you more than you? Who criticizes you more than you? And even all your decisions, every regret you have, every dumb thing, everything you're like, ooh, I wish that wasn't part of my story, you may not have been the cause or the center of it, but you were there, right? So you will have power and can have power to control the hardest person to control, that's you. But also the reality is you're gonna go through life where you have no power over the situation. You just find yourself in a thing where it's a relationship, it's a work thing, it's a school thing, there's a coach, there's a neighbor, there's some situation you have no power over. But here's the reality, gratitude gives you power in situations you may not have power over. Which I think, if we're honest, like, that's what we really want. Like, that's the kind of power, like, I mean, it'd be nice to control other people, but if I could like, really fix myself, like, that's what we all, we all really aspire to. The interesting thing is, is both ancient literature and current psychology really agree on the benefits of gratitude. And the benefits of not simply responding in gratitude and saying thank you and someone does something nice for you, but being proactive and even aggressive in, in expressing gratitude. One Mayo Clinic article went so far as to say, after they explained all the benefits of of expressing gratitude, like decreased stress, improved relationship, decreased anxiety, improved sleep, overall health, mental health, physical health, like they said, if you could get the benefits of gratitude in a pill form, everyone would take it. Like it's that important to us. So today what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about gratitude and how we can really harness that as a superpower. We're going to get some ancient texts, some ancient songs, actually. Uh, if, if you grew up in church, even if you didn't, you probably have heard of David, like David and Goliath. Generally, we'll hear about that referring to like a sports analogy of like a not great school and a really great school. And like, it's a David and Goliath story. And oh my goodness, he's going to take, you know, like, so you probably have heard of David or King David. Like he's that guy. He's like the only big David in the Bible. And he wrote some songs, which we call Psalms, which a Psalms is just the word just means song, like it's a religious, spiritual song. But he wrote these psalms, and, and while there's a lot of different literary techniques and types of writing styles in the scriptures, and there's like narrative where it's just kind of like, hey, this is what happened, right? The psalms are, are songs, they're poetry, they're actually emotional and, and kind of like, you know, gritty a little bit, where they're just, David and other writers are kind of pouring out themselves to God, and we learn from that, and we learn through that. And David wrote a couple of songs we're going to look at. Uh, and this first one, they, scholars believe this is at the beginning of his life. Uh, right around that David and Goliath thing, which we'll talk about in just a second. Right around that. And this is what David said about gratitude. This is the song he wrote about being proud. He said, I, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. I'm going to be glad and rejoice in you and sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Like David is saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to make a big deal out of it. But, but like any musician, any songwriter, there's always context around the song. Right? That's why my wife and I, we love going to live concerts because uh, if they're a great musician, you're always going to get a story or two about how the songs were written right? and the story behind it. And what happens is when you hear the story behind the song, 
suddenly that song becomes much more impactful, right? It's much more meaningful. So what's going on in David's life around this time, scholars would say, again, this is towards the beginning of his life, and it's about the time he just defeated Goliath. But again, this is a story in the scripture uh, where it's, it's Goliath who's this giant of a man. Like, don't think like James the giant beanstalk giant. Like, that's not real. That's crazy. But think like seven, eight foot tall, like giant person, like an NBA player. Okay, those guys are giants, right? Uh, but he defeats Goliath. What happens at that time is they would, they'd come to battle. The Philistines are a people. They're coming. They're trying to invade Israel. They're always trying to invade Israel. Israel is so tired of it. Like constantly, you read about these people. They're like, can you just get off already? Like, come on. Like always there. And their army's there. And the Israelite army's there. And they kind of line up on two sides. And I love this style of battle because it's incredibly efficient. It's okay. Here's what we're going to do. Instead of like everyone like running in like, yeah, and we lose a whole bunch of people. You send out your best guy. We will send out our best guy. And whoever wins, that side wins. That sound like a deal? Everyone's like, okay, great. The problem is then they roll out this eight-foot-tall Goliath. And everyone in Israel is terrified of this guy. And David, this dude, he shows up. He's helping his brothers and stuff. He's not even in the army. And he looks and he's like, well, how come no one's fighting him? And they're like, well, he's so big. And David's like, why? You know, I really believe God's got my back. And, and David, actually, the, the really interesting thing is if you look at things in a, in a different way, because the size, like we always look like, you know, size does matter, right? Like if he's this big and you're this big, right? Like if he's this big, and you're, like, like reality is like, it, it, it's intimidating. You don't want to fight a giant. But David uh, had a significant advantage because David had a projectile weapon. So Goliath's eight feet tall, but he has a spear and he has a sword. So he has to be relatively close to David to hurt him. David has a stone and a sling, which don't think like slingshot, like you can go get at the grocery store. Google ancient slingshot. These guys are like crazy good. David could kill somebody from 30, 40 yards. Now, if you have to be five feet from me to hurt me, but I can be 30 yards from you to hurt you, I have a significant advantage. So David defeats the Goliath. And everyone's like, David's awesome. He's so great. Everyone wants to be like David. All these things, like, like he has all these awesome followers online. And like, it's like, everything's great. Actually, David has to go back and tend sheep at his, his father's farm for a while. But he gets all these rewards. And everyone's like, you're so awesome, David. I wish my kid was just like you, David. All these things. And he goes back and writes this song. Which it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, if I'm honest, this is generally how I interact with Gratitude is something good happens and I am really grateful. Like I respond, I'm reactive, even towards God. Something good happened, God, thank you so much, this is great. And, and we can even look at David's life and think sometimes like, well, yeah, like you just defeated Goliath. Like you gotta go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. Like life is just really, really good for you, David. And we kind of feel like that about ourselves sometimes. Right? Even through social media. You've probably heard social media is like someone else's highlight reel. So you compare your behind-the-scenes footage to their highlight reel. And this is what happens even this past week. We have Thanksgiving, and, and so many people, you're posting, like, family pictures and the cute kids. You're like, man, their family just has everything together. But the thing is, you don't know the threats that were being thrown out to those children to have them sit still. Or the bribery of, like, Santa will come early and he'll buy you all the things. And say, like, like all the situation where you're trying to get kids to sit still and look at a camera. Right, right now, one of our, our kids, our oldest, she's nine. She's mischievous, just like her mom. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> Actually, just, like, scary, just like me. Her new thing is she likes to make bad faces during good pictures. 
which is like incredibly frustrating. It was like, even the baby's smiling in this one and like you're over there making a face. So now every time I tell her, nice picture first and then you can make whatever face you want. We don't really care, right? But you see someone's family picture. You see someone's house all clean. You see, oh, they baked the thing, all this stuff. They don't show you the messy kitchen, right? They don't show you the messy, like you see, I'm just so grateful you're on a date night, your anniversary, you're posting a nice picture of your spouse. Like you're not showing the fight you had last week. And this is the reality. What happens is, is we get so accustomed seeing everybody else's highlight reel. We think everyone else's life is so great and it really minimizes our life. There's actually something psychologists call uh, supernormal stimuli, which where you have a normal situation, a normal thing, and then there's the supernormal, the extra, the exaggerated that we're drawn to. Now, this is how I would take that discovery and bring it into even social media, how we, how we look at things is the, the normal life you have becomes where it's not good enough. It's not attractive. It's not whatever else for you. And the super normal is what you go after. You actually see this a lot with, with children's toys, like toddler toys, baby toys. If you look at children's toys, and you will never look at them the same now, if you look at children's toys, you will see a lot of the toys do not have a normal, natural-looking face or eyes. They do not have a natural-looking face or eyes. Uh, what they do is they have giant eyes because children and toddlers in particular are really drawn to the eyes, like of whatever. They just are drawn to the eyes. So toy manufacturers will make toys that look with giant eyes that are colorful and bright, and then you put the two toys, a normal, natural-looking animal, stuffed animal, in front of a child, and then they, the super normal, giant eyes, colorful, in front of a child, they're always going to go for the giant eyes, super normal situation. They're always going to lean that way. And I think for us, we get trapped in that. Again, we look at our normal life, and we go, even if it's good, like your car is fine until you see your friend's car that's nicer, better, newer, Right? Like, your spouse is fine until you find someone that's nicer, better, newer. Like, like, like you laugh about it, but like, like, isn't that like the reality for so many? It's your family. You look at other people's highlights and you go, well, their life is great. And then that really impacts us and makes us powerless with our gratitude because we go, well, I just respond in gratitude. I don't really have anything to be thankful for anymore. Because my life isn't all that great. My kids aren't all that great. My house, whatever the situation, we... we really lose sight because we are focused on something that's not even real. It's exaggerated. And what, what David does is he has a life of really high moments, really positive things. But he also has a life that's full of a, so many low moments, like when the king of his country is literally chasing him down, trying to kill him because he's jealous of him. He's hiding in caves. He knows I'm supposed to be like the next king. I'm supposed to have all his benefits. I'm, I'm the guy. And he's stuck hiding in the woods and in caves or even after he becomes king where things are great. And everyone's like, wow, David, like you were like restoring us to our, all the glory that we're supposed to be as a country. And then through some of his own decisions, he hurts people. He has severe consequences and he has some really dark, low moments. Like David knew what it was like to have a great moment and what it was like to have a horrible moment in life. And the next song we're going to look at that he wrote is actually, they believe, written at the end of his life, or right near the end of his life. And it starts similar to what he wrote at the beginning. And the benefit of living life is you get perspective. And this is what he said. He said, I will praise God's name in song, glorify him with thanksgiving. But again, that sounds normal. Like, yeah, of course. And David's like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to praise him. And then the next verse is really interesting, especially for that group of people that David would be writing to. The next verse, he goes on to say, this will please the Lord more than an ox, 
more than a bull with his horns and hooves. Now for us, if we're honest, we're like that doesn't really mean anything to us. Like more than an animal, like we don't get, but, but with David, he was living in the sacrificial system of Israel that God had instituted for them. And the whole point of the system was God was trying to teach the people of Israel, your decisions have consequences, both good and bad. Right? That, that's one of the things I would love to really know myself. I'd also really love for my kids to understand that is your decisions have consequences, good and bad. And God instituted this symbol, this system of a sacrifice will restore you to me. Because one of the consequences of your sinful decisions is you break this relationship with me. But through this symbol of this animal, your faith in operating in this system, you will restore yourself to me. Now, it's, it's not that the animal saves you. It was that your faith in God would save you. But David's living under this system where people are sacrificing animals all the time. So this song comes out and he's realizing after his decades of life that gratitude, that thankfulness is of greater importance and it's more meaningful. It pleases God more than sacrifice. And here's why. We all know I can do all the right things with the wrong motives right? Like I can sit on the couch and say over my shoulder, hey, babe, if you need help cleaning up, let me know. And I said the right thing, didn't I, guys? You're all afraid to say yes, because you know, you know it's not the right thing. And, and Rachel will say, you're saying the right thing, but your body language, everything you're doing, show me like your heart's not in it. Or I can talk to my kids and my kids, the kids will call you out all the time, like, dad, you're not looking at me. Dad, you're not paying attention. Dad, you're, you're just saying, right? Like, like you will get found out when you are simply doing the right things, but your heart's not in it. And what David has learned through the years of perspective and gained the insight is to say, gratitude is more important than following all the right rules. Now, what you do with your stuff matters. How you handle your generosity matters. But what matters more is, is where your heart is. So, so here's the thing. Gratitude, and this is the way that it gives you power because David gained perspective and, and gratitude, it gives you power by increasing your perspective. It gives you power by increasing your perspective. This is one of the most beneficial things you can gain in life. This is why my wife and I, we have a group in our home that, that comes, it's our Bible study community group, these people we've been doing life with for years. They come and they hang out and, and there's a bunch of other young couples right there with us, which my wife is like, can we say we're young couples anymore? I'm like, well, I mean like, like I got gray hair and pimples still sometimes. So like, I think that's like, yeah, we're, yeah. A couple of years ago when we started, we were all young couples, but we brought in this, this older couple who's our, about our parents' age named Rex and Cheryl to sit with us a lot. And they had a desire to build in, they have kids and they have a good relationship with their kids. They said, we want to build into the marriages of people our kids' age and really help them. And they didn't come in like they knew it all and they had it all figured out. And they were just part of our group. And we talk and we connect and we had a good relationship, and every once in a while we'd be going through our Bible study, and, and someone would turn to them, and he's like, well, like, what do you, like Rex and Cheryl, what do you guys think? Because we're in the thick of it. Like, we're tired of our kids. We're exhausted. We're going through, and, and almost every time their answer came back to something about perspective. They'd say things like, it, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I know raising your kids and the stage of your kids is really hard. I get it. And everyone tells you this, but it will be gone faster than you know, and you will miss it. Like the stuff you want to buy your kid, that's good, but don't try to compete with family members or friends. Like don't try to get them all this stuff. And here's the thing. If we asked all the people in the room 
that are an older generation that have some perspective, they always say that. I'll ask people, I'll be working with people regularly in their 50s and their 60s, and I'll ask them, hey, what do you wish, like, this is a great question to ask, what do you wish you knew when you were my age? And almost every time it comes back to don't sweat the small stuff, take care of yourself, your relationships matter most, stuff is just stuff, it always is about perspective. And this is the reality is for so many of us, we are unable to be grateful because we have such a bad perspective because we're focused on just this thing that we're in. And the reality is that gratitude will give you power by changing your perspective and power in the situation that you're in, even if you don't have power over it. This is why the early church, Paul, this guy who, who started so many churches, he wrote letters to churches and he would constantly draw them back to be grateful, be thankful, be grateful, be thankful. In Thessalonians, he wrote to the believers. He said, give thanks in all circumstances. Like, be thankful. The early church, these churches are starting, they had no influence or power. They didn't have buildings and microphones and lights. Like, they didn't have any of it. It really was simply, you go love people. That's how you'll have influence. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Saying, be thankful. Then, then the passage we're going to look at for a little bit longer today is, is Paul actually uses thanksgiving and gratitude to combat something that so many of us deal with. This is what he wrote to the, the Philippian believers. He says, do not be anxious about anything. And I'll tell you real quick, before we get to the rest of it, uh, Paul is, is not talking about mental illness as anxiety or depression. Some of you have even heard this passage be used that way of like, well, just, just read Philippians 4, 6, two times daily and pray and you'll be fine. It doesn't work like that. Paul's not talking about mental illness. He's not talking about anxiety and depression. What he's talking about is worry. Like common worry we all deal with. And even here at the church, like we want to be so clear about that because we believe the world is a broken place and the brokenness is manifest in physical illness and in mental illness. And for some of you, you, you need to get help. We want to be a place that offers help for you and offers space for you to be able to navigate that and not just pray and hope that you have enough faith to deal with it. Because some of us, to be honest, you won't have enough faith to deal with it. But you can find faith to work through it and, and to, to be able to live a, a life in Christ through that pain, through that difficulty. But Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, re re present your requests to God. Now, all he's saying is, be mindful. I know prayer is intimidating for a lot of people. Right? I was even part of a, a guy's group. We're talking I'm like, hey, I was like, hey, can you pray? He's like, no, nah, I don't do that. Like, not in groups like that. Like, I don't do that. I was like, oh, okay, sorry, I didn't, I didn't know. Can you pray? And other guy's like, nope. I was like, oh, man. All right, can you pray? Yeah, okay, we got, like, prayers intimidated. All this is saying is instead of worrying and being mindful in a negative way about your thing, take the thing you're thinking about and talk to God about it. But then Paul lays out, with thanksgiving. And this is so powerful because gratitude gives you power by increasing your perspective. And when you operate and can find things to be thankful for in this situation, it gives you what we all want. It gives you peace. See, Paul goes on the next verse. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Like you won't be able to understand this and write about it and, and totally grapple with it. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like that's what happens if you want to fight worry. The way to fight worry, the way to, way to gain power over worry is to practice gratitude. When you practice gratitude, you get peace. 
I've seen this happen even in our, in our house, in our family. See, our kids are, are typical kids. We got four kids, nine and under. And like most of you, um, our kids at bedtime are dying of thirst, right? Like they haven't been thirsty all day, now they're dying of thirst. They're remembering things you told them three weeks ago. Like, well, three weeks ago you told me that if I was, we could do this and you would buy me the lot. And like, I, you don't remember where your shoes are, but you can tell me this thing, like I don't, or, or the bug bite they've had for two days that hasn't affected them at all. All of a sudden, their foot's going to fall off now because they need medicine. Like, like every, I mean, like constantly, it's like, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. But the reality is, is one of our daughters, Lucy, she's seven. Um, she'll come out and be like, I'm scared. And I have learned through trial and error that simply telling a seven-year-old, don't be scared, doesn't work. Right? And we started this thing as, I think it was my wife's idea because she's the better parent in our house. And, and we sit down in the bed with Lucy. We'd sit on the edge of her bed and we'd say, well, what, what's the thing you're scared about? And she would tell us, we just talk about it just for a little bit because we don't want to get her all spiraling out of control with that. And we go, okay, now, now let's think of five things you can be thankful for. Not five things that will give you courage. Not five things that make you strong. Not that five things you're excited about for tomorrow, but what are five things you can be thankful for? And, I, and at first she'd go, no, I don't want, I can't, I don't want to. I, and I'd say, hey, I'll go first. I'd sit there, i go, well, it's Tuesday, and we have tacos on Tuesday. I'm really thankful for tacos. And she'd go, well, I'm, I'm really thankful for sour cream. Because kids love sour cream. It's weird, I don't know. And I'd say, I'm really thankful for our family, that we have people around us, and our house is a safe place for us, and we have places, for, and all of our needs are met. How about you? What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my teacher at school, and we talk about our teacher at school, and we, and we get through all those things, and, and you can see a visual change in her, where she breathes, and okay, now, and we pray, and we give her a kiss, we go out the room, and she's good. It's the power of gratitude to change your perspective. See, because in that moment, she's operating with fear and worry as a mirror. When you have fear and worry as a mirror, all you can see in the mirror is you. And all you see is you look at the mirror and you go, I can't see anything other than the thing that's right in front of me. And it's overwhelming. I know for some of you, like you're in that space right now. But this is reality. While fear and worry is a mirror, gratitude is a window that opens your perspective where you see other things. And you see there's more going on than what you feel in that moment. Because this is the thing, is, is gratitude will give you power by increasing your perspective. And I saw this in my life too, not just my kid's life. See, Lucy, our seven-year-old, she is sweet and smart and creative, all the things, but she also, uh, about a year and a half ago, was diagnosed with a really rare autoimmune disease. And thankfully, uh, through medicine and treatment of some incredible doctors, like she is getting better and she's on the road to remission. Um, but it has been an incredibly difficult season. We're coming out of it. I'm super thankful for that. This is earlier this year. Um, we're at the doctor and I lost kind of how many ologists we've been to. We, I mean, and doctor and like seeing your kid. get comfortable in hospitals and tell the person doing their IV, oh, don't worry, this is my first time, I know right where you do it. This earliest year, I'm, I'm in the, the lobby and I'm mad. More than anything, I'm just scared, you know? 
and it's not fair and it sucks and all the things that I'm just trying to pass the time because we've been at the hospital forever and all the different times. And I'm just reading at this children's hospital a story about how the hospital began and I'm just frustrated. Again, I'm just angry. I'm angry at God. I'm angry at this stupid disease. And I feel the, the nudge of a loving and kind Heavenly Father. I say, Justin, just look around. He didn't tell me don't be afraid. He didn't tell me don't be angry. He said, Justin, just look around. And trying to find things that I'm grateful for. And I look around and go, man, I, we have a, a world-class hospital with a, a specialist that they know how to treat Lucy. They can help her. I'm thankful we have so many friends and such a good support system around us that love us and care for us and just have been there and dropped off meals and gift cards and watched our kids. And I'm thankful that even though this season is incredibly hard, Rachel and I are stronger together, not broken apart because of it, which if you have walked through a chronic disease with a kid or traumatic thing, that's so easily the case with marriages. I'm thankful that my kid gets to come home. Because the reality is there's a lot of kids in this hospital right now that may not ever get to come home. And here's the thing. I had no power over my situation and I could do nothing to fix my kid. But in that moment, through taking a moment to be grateful, I found power in my situation because my perspective changed. And I know just with the room and knowing people in the room, there is something that you are walking through for so many of us or something you will walk through that you will look as a mirror and go, there's no way out. I can't figure this out. It's too difficult. It's too much. I want to help you put down that mirror and open up this window of perspective of gratitude to take a step and say, there's more than what simply is going on right in front of me. So I want to help you take a step. I made it as simple as I could because here's the reality. We love complex solutions. We think that's going to be significant. Like complex automatically means significant. The reality is complex means you feel really good about the idea, but you won't follow through with it. So how simple can we make this? So, so this is what we have. As you're leaving today, we have these cards. We have our, our logo on here uh, for the series. And it's this verse that we started with this morning. This part of the song that David wrote where he says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. And then there's 15 lines on there. And here's the goal. Take time once a day to slow down enough. Take a breath. Read this verse and write something that you're thankful for. Just one thing. It could take you 30 seconds. It could take you three minutes, but do just one thing per day. I'd love it that you do. I'm going to do 15 days in a row. The reality is you may not do it 15 days in a row. That doesn't matter. Could you take 15 days over the next few weeks to really focus and say, I'm going to find something I'm grateful for. And even if you're in the midst of a situation, this is where I think you can see the most power, is if you're in the midst of a situation of a marriage, a relationship, a difficult thing in your life, a work thing, a neighborhood thing, find things you're thankful for in that because that will give you the most power and the most influence. And this is what I believe is you may look back at this small, simple practice as one of the pivotal moments in your life. 
and one of the pivotal moments in your relationship where you said, man, I'm in this marriage and I find myself saying things like, man, I love them. I'm just not in love with them. It's kind of all dried up. This could be the moment where you go, I'm gonna find something to be thankful for with them. You're in a marriage, you go, I'm just so hurt and I can't see them other than the thing that they did or the thing that they said. And I just, it is too much. This could be the thing along with counseling, along with so many things, but this could be the thing that changes. It could be a work situation where you're like, man, I'm just done here. This is horrible. They're so ungrateful for me. And this could be the thing that changes your life, your relationship with your kids. This could be the thing that you look back when you're telling your story in 20 years, when someone says, hey, what's something you wish you knew when you were my age? You point back and go, man, if I could just express gratitude every day, that's something I wish I knew because gratitude gives you power by increasing your perspective. If you're comfortable, I wanna ask you to pray with us today. God, thank you for what you're doing in and through us. God, I know there are people in the room, got people listening that are going through situations. God, I know that my story, that our family story is not unique to us. Of God, people, man, we're just going through it and we want to be powerful in the situations that we're in. We ask that you would help us to have eyes to see the things we can be grateful for. God, you'd give us the ability to, to follow through. And God, that we would see that, that your way is best and that expressing gratitude could be and catalytic in our lives. So give us eyes to see that and, and most of all, help us to remain grateful for you. We love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.